This is Everyday Leaders with Gary Brackett. This is Everyday Leaders. I'm your host, Melanie Ake. Everyday Leaders is an inspirational show to help you develop strategies to overcome everyday obstacles in your life. Today's guest will share the disciplines that he's practicing every day that is allowing him to achieve a life of success. Today's Everyday Leader teaches us how important it is every day to value others and how to build a life of success. You see, his journey has taught him to fight for opportunities, prove himself, and always maintain a winning mindset. Listen in and learn why this athlete has a spirit of determination and why his teams on and off the field are always winners and they make impact in the lives of others. These leadership lessons are ones that you too can apply every day to live your life with success. It is my honor to welcome Indianapolis Colts Super Bowl champion and entrepreneur Gary Brackett as my guest today. Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 show one of 2019 starts now. Gary Brackett, welcome to the program Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 2019. I am so thrilled that you are here an everyday leader and a winner. And so I want to talk to you today uh, about all the things that you've done successfully. I've got a list of questions from um, some people that have been following, friends, family, John Maxwell people, and they want to know what you think about to be a winner from for the very beginning of your life up until now. I promise we won't be on here for three hours, but <laughs> <laughs> thank you for graciously coming on Everyday Leaders. No, nah, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. This is an amazing experience. You know, on my short list of people, you were one of those last year, and I had reached out and said, hey, I'm kind of doing this. And then as it grew, I thought, how am I going to do this for 2019? So I have to kind of say the last, uh, last year when I started, I had the same jacket on, right? It was all about the team, performance, and, and so that was my mindset. And here, now you're my guest, first guest of 2019. So, uh, Gary, I, I really think about, when I talk about leadership, right? And so this program is about people that believe in themselves, everyday leaders leading themselves with success. And so some of us have it naturally, but others have to be, you know, kind of the, the, the process of our beliefs about ourselves change through our lives. And so how I connected to you and your story, when you were young growing up in New Jersey, you know, some people that don't know your story, talk to us about what that was like as a child, what your beliefs were about yourself, because you weren't you know, you were not the NFL superstar, Super Bowl champion when you were growing up. And that's important because that's where it's formed, right, as kids. So take me back there. Close your eyes and take me back there. Yeah, yeah thanks. First, thanks for having me on. But, yeah, so um, as a kid, we grew up in this town. Um, we were born in Camden, New Jersey. And if you're not familiar with Camden, New Jersey, um, they were a water, like, the number one worst city in America like four or five years ago. And um, so about four or five years old, my parents decided that it was time to leave Camden um, and find a different um, place to live to raise our family. 
when we moved to Glasgow, New Jersey, Glasgow was 20 minutes, 25 minutes outside of Camden, in a whole new world, suburban town, uh, really taken over by this uh, college, uh, Glasgow State, now with Rowan University. Uh, so we're in this suburban town. And growing up, I had uh, three older brothers and one younger sister. And so I'm the youngest boy, um, always involved in sports, always involved in activities. And I think um, my parents just instilled in me a very young age, like, if you want something, you're going to have to work for it. So for me, I was no stranger um, of hard work. And, and I just always put my, my mind set that if I wanted to get something, it was up to me to kind of get that done. So uh, my parents gave me a lot of flexibility. Uh, as a fourth child, you know, it's almost like, hey, uh, learn from your, your brothers, right? Um, so I think um, it was just great, you know, growing up, being a kid, being active, being involved in everything, and, and just, you know, li- living out my dream. So what was your favorite thing to do after school as a kid growing up? You know, normal stuff, right? You know what's crazy? And I, and I struggled with this with my children. I had three kids, nine, seven, and five. Um, but when I was a kid, man, when, I, when we when we came home from school, we were outside. Mm-hmm. We were riding our bikes. We were playing football, basketball. You know, we were just very uh, involved outside and, and, and just, you know, physical activity. Um, so, we, I mean, obviously, we, we had a game systems back then, Sega Genesis and some other things. <laughs> um, but we really just enjoyed being outside. Um, and I, would just, I just loved being active. So I was a competitor. You know, the youngest boy, I always feel like I had to prove myself to my older brothers. Um, so I always, you know, wanted to go out there and compete. Your poor sister. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Does she give it to you guys all the time? <laughs> she did. But you know how it works, though. Uh, one year youngest, and then you're the only girl. So she was kind of spoiled, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, my mom definitely, uh, uh, you know, would spend a lot of time with her, and, and rightfully so. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it was a pretty rough household. So, so talk to me about your journey, you know, going and we, and we, you know, everybody knows if they've read your book, if they know you, if they're connected to you through Indianapolis sure. here, we're both in Indianapolis. And so what I love about this is, you know, people talk about you as, well, it wasn't just a natural, right? You just didn't, you didn't say, oh, he was the valedictorian. He was the champion football star. He was this. You walked on kind of in life to say, I got to prove myself. And what you just told us is you were always doing that, right? In leadership, we yeah. talk about strengths, right? And so you were preparing yourself your whole life for this. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And and um, I didn't know it at the time, but I always felt like hard work will always win. And there's this quote, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Amen. And at a uh, at point in time, you know, you know, talent's going to be equal, you know, um, especially as you advance in your career, um, there's always going to be talented individuals out there, whether it's salespeople, whether it's, you know, restaurants, you know, w- whatever that case may be. So then it amounts to the hard work. And then um, th- then when you break down the hard work, it's also smart work, right, and being disciplined about your approach. So all those things um, kind of led me to always, you know, one of competitive advantages. And Coach Dungey would always say, never let anyone's perception become your reality. Amen. And despite people saying – um, how small I was, or I wasn't a prototypical linebacker, or whatever the case may be, I got to control my own destiny. Mm-hmm. And for me, if I had to control it, I wanted to be a successful destiny. So I was willing and able to put the work in to put myself in position to be successful. What were? Can you tell us about one of the times that you experienced, you know, that, that fear really kind of set in and you, and you started to maybe doubt yourself a little bit and you had to push through that? 
playing for the Colts, you know, playing for Dungy. I mean, what an icon to, to learn from. Yeah, so you, you know what's crazy? So my second year in the NFL, uh, we just lost an AFC championship game. I was on special teams and played a little bit of defense. But during training camp, my brother was sick. He had uh, leukemia, and I was chosen to be his bone marrow donor. So during training camp, um, which is a very important time, I left and gave my brother Bromo uh, donor back in New Jersey. Uh, so when I got back, I went right back to practice, but I just wasn't feeling like myself. I was making a lot of plays. I experienced um, some some awful tragedies in my life earlier that year. I just lost my mother and my father uh, my first season in the NFL, and my head just wasn't there. And I just, my, my self-esteem wasn't there. My confidence wasn't there. I, I would just, you know, and, and I almost feel guilty about being away from my family when they were in their time of need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so how did you push through that? So I, I came to the realization that I would be doing my parents a disservice if I would to quit now and not take full advantage of this opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then I, I kind of learned that the way you honor the dead is how you live. Right. So it's not necessarily the memories. And I remember they said this, but how you continue to live. And I think that they're angels smiling down on me. So for me, I had to kind of like switch my mindset that like my parents are still here with me. They're just now in heaven looking down and smiling down on me. So how I choose to live my life is how I honor them, not by going home and making sure the family's good and staying in the house. And, you know, Mm -hmm. so many people think like, okay, this is my opportunity. I was never meant to, to make it big. Right. I had my chance, but now back to reality. No, like like God has an amazing plan for you in your life. And it's up to you to maximize the opportunity. So um, <laughs> you, you know, you playing small is is you, right? That's that's your your little head, right? Mm-hmm. But sometimes you have to get out of your head. Um, you have to get coaching, you have to get advice, you have to get mentors, whatever it takes to, for you to step into your purpose. And a lot of people are afraid to take that first step because they say to themselves, okay, well, I can't see the vision on how this is going to end. Mm-hmm. So instead of taking that leap of faith, I won't do anything. But in reality, um, and I learned this, right, um, the, your next step in your journey is not revealed until you take that first step. Amen. What a great right? lesson. <laughs> it is so true. And sometimes you got to be pushed, right? Sometimes you got to be pushed yeah. off of that cliff. Exactly. And then so many people think like there's plenty of people that flew off a cliff and somehow made it to the ground. Right. But first they flew off and they're in the clouds. So what you do, you open up your arms and you're flying. Right. And at first you're scared to death. And then it becomes this magical, magistical moment when you're enjoying the process and you're enjoying the journey. And yeah, you're going to have trials and tribulations. They're going to be rough. It's going to be turbulence. And you're but then all of a sudden you see this clear patch and then you're in the clear patch. And then you're flying and you're enjoying it. And then all of a sudden you see this little angle that you need to take, right? But you never would have saw that angle to the hill to get you to your destination if you wouldn't have leaped. And so many people are stuck on top of that hill, afraid to take that leap. And you're not going to see what your journey is going to be. You're not going to see the final destination until you're inside of your journey. So um, that's my biggest encouragement to people, man. You have to take that first step um, and you have to trust the process and and it, take the step, but then work. And then that's when that hard work comes in. Mm-hmm. And it's not, oh, I took the step and it didn't work. So now I'm going back on the cliff. Yeah. No, you, you, right? like, you no, can't you get back on that cliff. 
no, you're going. Like, you're off the cliff. Like, we're moving in the wrong direction. It's like, you know, the um, the great warrior. I, lo- I love the story about the um, the army general who went over to the siege, who his men were outnumbered. And um, they had they had got on shore, and they burnt all the boats. And the mentality was, we don't have a way to get back home. Mm-hmm. So either we're going to conquer this island or we're going to die. And that's the type of mentality you have to have to fight for your life and fight for your purpose. Like, no, this this is my purpose, and this is the way I'm going. So, Gary, when you transfer all of these skills, right, you think about you never gave up as a kid. You were proving yourself. Here you did that in, in football. You came to the Indianapolis Colts. You were a leader, a Super Bowl champion, right? Think about all the things that you've accomplished, and now you take that into grooming others, right, growing these restaurants, your Impact Foundation, all the amazing things that you're doing in the community, in your life, and you, and so you're starting that, you jump off that cliff, you find out, you get your, build your wings on the way down, right? And so how is it for you now as an entrepreneur, what are those skills that you still use, right, to help others learn in your restaurant business? You just became a certified, you know, um, restauranteer. And, and yeah. so the stack pickle for, I'm sure everybody knows that's watching this, right. but you know, you are an owner of the stack pickle and you're, and you're franchising that. And so wh- what does that look like? Like that's so different of a mindset from, you know, learning to, uh, to go out and, and make a play in football, right? You, you were in a totally different in a season for your life yeah. and a reason for your life. So now you've changed kind of seasons you're raising your family, you've got these beliefs, and you're taking that to, to really share with other people to influence the world. And so when, when I think about, you know, all the things that you're doing today, how, how, does, how does that work? Like your energy, your, your spirit to give back, to grow, to help grow people, we're, that's just amazing to think about your, your um your thought pattern, your entrepreneurial skills. Um, and so going back to the question, because <laughs> I'm so excited about watching you grow. But, you know, as an entrepreneur, how do you, uh, uh, I guess, engage other people to believe what you believe, you know, to get them fired up, to be that coach to them um, in your businesses? Yeah, I think two things. One, I think um, my mindset is my goal is not to create more followers is to create more leaders. Mm. So I want to encourage, engage, and empower my people to become better leaders, right? Because I realized very early in this business that um, people build brands, right? And my job then is to build the people um, and their responsibility is building a brand. So um, it's this this funny thing. CEOs have different type of mentalities, right? Either I have 400 people that work for me or I have 400 people that I work for. Mm-hmm. And I choose to believe that I have 400 people that I work for, right? So I believe in servant leadership and that I have an awesome responsibility, you know, to provide, you know, this opportunity for this many individuals. So my goal is how can I support you and how can I make you more successful? Um, so my ultimate goal is to try to set my team up for success um, through programming, um, through, you know, menu engineering, uh, through leadership classes, mm-hmm. and and I realized two years ago we had this situation where our, our managers weren't really getting trained well. We had you know a slew of managers that left unexpectedly, and we were just hiring you know people who've been with the company for a year or two, weren't giving them proper training, 
and were wondering why we weren't getting the results that we wanted. Mm-hmm. So then we went back into this mentality like, hey, man, we have to train our people better, right? So if we're in a pinch, we have to figure out a way how we can run our restaurant, but everyone needs four weeks of training, right? And, um, the, you know, the CFO was like, hey, four weeks of training, that's going to be expensive. Like, what do we do if we train these people and they leave? Mm-hmm. But the, the question is, what if we don't train them and they stay? Right? What type of organization and workforce do you have? So I think um, the goal and what I realized is building your people and then your people build your brand because that's the touch points um, with your customers. That is so true. And so one of my leadership coaches had asked, you know, ask him if he had a magic wand, right? If you had a magic wand, what leadership quality would you make sure that every person on this earth learned? Man, what leadership quality that I want everyone to learn? Um, so for me, I, I believe in like empathy and I believe in not treating people equal, but be, but treating people fair. And I think, um, a lot of times the common sense principle doesn't, you know, come into, uh, effect nearly enough. And what I mean by that, where we have rules in terms of, you know, tardiness, if people are late for, you know, their job. Um, this is what happens. Mm-hmm. So it's a difference if an employee has been with us five years, never been late, and been late versus someone who's been us one week and been late every shift, mm-hmm. right? So I'm not going to treat those individuals the same, right, when I'm disciplining those individuals. Oh, and come on, I give think, me a break. Give me a break. <laughs> come on, Gary, give me a break. <laughs> but, but so many times, like, I hear organizations and, and, and things that occur um, and they get just so upset. And, and I tell people that, like, hey, man, I, I'm, I'm not going to treat everyone equally. I'm going to treat you guys fairly. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that um, I think it shows respect uh, for the employee. Because anymore, with the millennials and with the workforce, you know, a lot of times people, um, they don't quit jobs. They quit people. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we have people that don't respect you, that don't understand, that's not going to be willing to listen, hear both sides of the story, and, and then make an educated you know, decision on what, what the outcome should be, then people are just going to leave and go to the next situation. Whereas if you give people a voice, if you get them engaged, um, I think they're more willing to stay with you. So I think that's really what I've been, you know, trying to develop within our companies, a culture where everyone's voice counts. And um, if you see something, say something, and let's have a discussion about it. And if there's a better way to do something, uh, let us know, and, and, and we'll try to look into it. That's awesome. So when you were a cult... You know, did they mm-hmm. give you what kind of skills does the NFL teach you from just, you know, I know from a physical standpoint, right? Because you got to go through a lot of training. But what kind of mindset development did you have at the NFL? You, you know, what's crazy. Um, the NFL really um, didn't really teach uh, a lot of mindset development, right? There is a lot of game set. There's a lot of X and O's, but I think the players that play for a long time, they start to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Um, They start to figure out a different mindset. They give you tools, and it's up to you to utilize those tools in order to be successful. Mm -hmm. And I think um, for us um, at the Colts organization, um, our our biggest thing was, like, we don't don't play the Colts on a schedule, right? So during our practices, we were already spending a lot of time helping one another. I spent a lot of, you know, times – you know, talking to Peyton Manning about game plans or different plays. And, he, and he'll look at me and look at our defense and say, why are you guys doing this? Mm-hmm. So I think that 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 feedback, that one-on-one, and really um, that critique, like that criticism, mm-hmm. right? I think it, um, if you're looking at, like, all right, the goal is to win, right? And 
if, if, if we're doing something wrong and someone points it out, I shouldn't be upset about that. The goal is to win. So, so many people are so short-sighted and, you know, don't want to find out that their baby is ugly, mm-hmm. right? And by their baby, I mean their business, their, you know, whatever it is. I feel like and, we're on Shark Tank now. No, wait a minute. <laughs> sometimes, like, you have to figure out, like, yo, that, that play is awful. Yeah. And this is why it's awful and this is how it's going to work. So then the question would be, okay, so what we could do better? Well, if you could consider doing this, then you have a chance. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that type of feedback um, that we used to give it and challenge one another, like our hardest days of the week was on Wednesday when we won versus one versus our offense. And because we practiced at that pace, the games became easy. Mm-hmm. And I think um, people don't spend an, a, a, enough time um, developing that mindset. Mm-hmm. So whatever game day is for you, um, they're not ready, mm-hmm. right? And the game is the hardest thing because during practice, they were taking it easy. Amen. And that's so true. And you're now coaching your organizations and your franchises into the same mindset. You know, you got to be ready. We got to train you. We got to we got to beef up. Right. We got to be ready for the show when the doors open. It's game day. Right. It's game day. You know, it's funny. On Friday night, if we're short staffed and someone calls off sick and and we don't have them, that issue is not a Friday night issue. That issue is. It happened two weeks ago when you know you were light servers, you didn't do nothing about it. Exactly. Right? So, so it was about being proactive. People think, oh, no, just today. Like, no, the issue was you're, you're, you don't have enough servers in your store, period. Right? You need to hire people like <laughs> two months ago. Right? Yep. So, so it's just amazing how some people, um, you know, look at issues and like, oh, man. Um, but I think so that's one thing, you know, I, I've always been like a chess player. So how can I be two or three moves ahead mm-hmm. and anticipate stuff? You know people call out, right? So that's why we have people that are on call mm-hmm. that we can call that can come to our restaurant. <laughs> um, so it's, it's all, all these things that you kind of learn and develop and just try to give people the opportunity. But our best managers, they're proactive, yeah. right? They're looking at their budgets. They're looking at what they need to do to comp. They're looking at if they need to play in a band in, in, in a month. Because it's going to take three weeks to, um, to promote it, a week to get their graphic. And I think those are the type of people that I love in my organization that helps us really grow because they get it. They get it. They're always thinking. So I want to transition real quick to, you know, you and Peyton Manning have this fantastic relationship and you're doing so much in the community. Peyton Manning's Children's Hospital here in Indianapolis. And so talk to me a little bit about how that developed and, and what you're doing today so, to let people know what's going on. Yeah, so um, I have an impact foundation. I think it's GaryBracket.org is our website. So every year um, we have a few uh, events that we have. Um, and I started the foundation. My brother was diagnosed with cancer. Um, I was his bone marrow donor. Unfortunately, he passed. But I said I would always help in the critically and chronically ill children. Um, so we have lockers in three of the hospitals. Um, so Raleigh North, um, or not Raleigh, I guess it's IU, IU North now. Yeah. Um, uh, IU uh, Riley downtown, um, and then St. Vincent's. Mm-hmm. And um, so we provide uh, uh, lockers with uh, toys, activities, T-shirts, hats um, for kids that are suffering with critically and chronically illnesses so they can have something to do when they're inside a hospital. And again, um, back to my mother telling me um, that the greatest among us will serve. And it's amazing how I feel every year when I'm doing our activities um, you know, obviously the people that were serving, they get a lot out of it, but I, I get just as much mm-hmm. um, being in my position, giving back and seeing the smile that we're able to put on so many people's faces. 
You know, it's about significance and and part of what we talked about before we even started this recording. But, you know, my journey with the John Maxwell team, you know, has been such a transformation to understand it is about our success, but then our significance, right? How do we create our significance in the world? And so I just, I really, you're a champion, you know, you're a champion for all of us to follow Gary and to, to watch you and learn from you, your impact foundation, your champion attitude, your restaurants, you know, now you're into char blue, I saw. (laughs) And so, yeah. And so all, all of these things, you know, make who Gary Brackett is your brand, right? A winner. You're winning. You're winning at life. You're helping people win in your organizations. And I just think you're an amazing uh, person and an amazing person for, to mentor all of us that are following you and watching you in Indianapolis. Now, I, I appreciate that. And um, it's, it's amazing the, uh, the opportunities and the callings that we have on our lives. And I, I give you a first example. Um, so every morning for like the last almost six years now, I post an inspirational quote mm-hmm. on my Instagram. And for years, I would just post it and wouldn't really think nothing of it. I get four or five likes, but you know, I would just without felt that morning, whatever was on my heart. And once one time, I was um, I was at a meeting, um, and someone came up to me, pulled me to the side, and was like, "I want to thank you." And he was teary eyed, and I'm just like. What's going on? Did we win a game? Did we win you some money? Right? Are you okay? I didn't know what he was thinking before, but he was like, I was, um, I will have wrote my suicide letter and I don't commit suicide that morning. And then I looked on Instagram and I saw your post and your post said, you asked for help, not because you're weak, but because you want to remain strong. And it was like, and I put the gun down and I called someone and they helped me. And that was like, wow. Wow. Are you talking about significance, talking about making an impact on someone's life? And so many times, you know, people are doing it for the wrong reasons. Oh, I'm not getting enough likes and followers, so I'm going to stop, right? I'm going to go back on a cliff. They're like, no, I'm, I'm off the cliff. I'm soaring, baby. So, like, now I'm, I'm way from that. So I think just that ability to influence someone's life like that, um, it just really just made me realize, man, I, I got to keep this thing going. You got to keep it. It's in your soul. It's who you are, Gary. And we love you so much in Indianapolis. And uh, I, I, you know, we've been on here. I've taken so much of your time this morning. But I, I thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for being an everyday leader. This is exactly what the show is about. Showing people that, you know, when you were a kid, you were not the NFL champion. You were not the entrepreneur. You were not the person that's giving back to the Children's Hospitals and the Impact Foundation. You were somebody that believed in yourself, that never gave up, that pushed the limits, that knew that there was something greater, and you were always proving yourself, and you're continuing to do that. Your life is going to be amazing. (laughs) And we are going to just sit back and watch the things and be involved in the things that happen with you. And, um, And I just, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for being an inspiration to all of us. And thank you very much for coming on the program and being an everyday leader, Gary. Well, thanks for having me. Amazing. Best of luck to you in 2019. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Take care. 
Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 Leadership Summit is coming to Indianapolis, Saturday, March 2nd, 2019. Join me along with the 50 and 50 guest from Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 podcast. This exclusive event will take place at the beautiful New Fields Indianapolis Museum of Art on Saturday, March 2nd, 2019. You won't want to miss this one-of-a-kind leadership workshop where you will personally engage with these 50 leaders and learn how to apply their strategies to live your life with success. Don't miss this opportunity. You can be a part of this exclusive inaugural leadership summit here in Indianapolis, March 2nd, 2019. Remember, there's limited space available, so reserve your spot now. If you know of anyone that would be interested in sponsoring this exclusive event, please have them contact me directly at make at makeconnectionsforlife.com. Thank you for following the podcast of Everyday Leaders 50 and 50.